Amen. Amen. Thank you, lovely wife. Um, yeah, it's quite a privilege doing a little double act off here, isn't it, really? Um, I especially loved off at the moment because she um, made the nicest Sunday lunch. She had steak and this peppercorn sauce. Oh, gorgeous. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked, as always, by food, actually. Um, but, so, but, yes, no, I'm not here to talk about steak and peppercorn sauce. I'm here to talk about um, the Lord's Prayer. So, um, we are going to be carrying on our prayer series, um, this time focusing on verse 12. Um, and so, I think it's helpful for us to just start off just by reading the whole prayer, um, or say it from memory if you can, but I'm going to ask us probably today to actually just do another couple of verses um, that, that follow as well, and which you may not know off by heart. So um, we'll just start reading there. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And let, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so we're going to be dwelling in verse 12 today, um, the forgiveness uh, section of the prayer. And Immediately, I find it interesting that the, 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 the one part of the prayer that Jesus pulls out to expand on further is that surrounding forgiveness. It's that he wants to really emphasize the importance of forgiveness. Um, and in doing so, he demonstrates that forgiveness and confession of sin, in some ways, actually underlies and pins this whole prayer together. Um, and to understand this fully, like I say, it's about thinking about the, the single verse in the context of the entire prayer. And um, in preparing for this sermon, I've read and I also listened to some sermons. There's a great series. I don't know if anyone has a Blue Letter Bible app. Does anybody use that? Yes. We're mates, yeah. No, that is, it's really, really good. Really, really good. Um, so uh, if you haven't downloaded it, it's a great app. It just helps to expand the Bible. Um, and there is a great uh, sermon series on the Lord's Prayer there by a pastor named uh, Bill Foote. And he helped me understand this a lot better. And I mean, to paraphrase him, really, um, that if we don't ask for forgiveness or if we don't confess... Um, we lose that intimacy of relationship. So you know, if 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 um you know if I if I walk along and, and bop you on the nose and walk off and don't say sorry, we're we're not as going to be as close in our relationship as we were beforehand. Um, you know, if you step on my toe, um, I'm not going to be as happy with you if we don't have that conversation about what's just happened. Um, so first of all, thinking about our father. You know, Lynn gave the analogy of the prodigal son. He had to come back first, didn't he, for them to be able to regain that intimacy. Um, um, we talk about hallowed be his name. How can we say that his name is hallowed um, if we don't accept, actually, that we have done wrong? Um, uh, how are we glorifying him um, outside of that? 
how can we, as Christians say, his will be done when we know that we're reveling in doing the opposite of his will and not coming to him about that? Um, we spoke about last time, our, our daily bread. How, how can we um, expect um, the goodness and the good things that God has in store for us if we are not willing to talk about and confess our sins and when we're going astray? And so you can see how actually in, you know, that, that, that principle of confession and forgiveness, actually, if we don't get that right, the entire prayer and really actually what we've, what we've said before we've got to verse 12 and verses 6, 9 and 10, how it actually becomes disingenuous if we aren't ready to ask God to forgive our debts and our sins. And you know, when you think about actually the, the verse, verse 12 uh, that we're focusing on today, it begins with an and in my Bible. So it's, it's a continuation actually of give us this day our daily bread. And that gives us an idea as well about the kind of time frame in which we're supposed to be asking and, and confessing our sins and asking God to forgive our debts. It's on a daily basis. Um, and so really just you know, from this initial period, we can see that it's just so important seeking forgiveness. It's important enough for Jesus to have expanded on it at the end of, his, of the Lord's Prayer. It's important enough to be at the heart of much of the prayer and important enough for us to need to do it daily. Um, so what is it about forgiveness and seeking forgiveness that makes it so important? And to me, the reason why it is so important is because when you ask somebody to forgive you, you are humbling yourself before them. Um, you're making yourself that, bit, that, that much smaller um, to them, um, which is often very difficult for us to do. And in a, in a fashion typical of Jesus' teaching um, and of the prayer so far, we are called to seek forgiveness and humble ourselves first before God and then before our neighbours. And this is that recurring pattern all the way through the New Testament and all the way through, through, through Scripture, really, that God first, then our neighbor, and not about ourselves. And that, that is the, the model for life that God has designed us to live by, whether you realize it or not. And often when things go wrong is when we fail to live our lives according to the instructions that God has set us to live our lives by. And... Um, when we, when we start with humbling ourselves um, before God, we begin to see um, that we are in God's debt. Um, it, it sounds like, it's, it's, it's almost an odd way to phrase it, isn't it? You know, forgive us our debts. We might, we might, we might expect to say forgive us our sins or, or something else, but forgive us our debts. And if you remember the last time I spoke, I, I, I mentioned about how our default position is to feel as though God owes us something or as though uh, God needs to make things even with us. But when we begin with forgive us our debts, we're automatically assuming a position in, in terms of recognizing that he is higher than us and that we owe him something. And that, in doing so, we assume and we get the proper perspective of God and who he is. Um, and humility doesn't just give us the proper perspective of God. It also gives us the proper perspective of our neighbor and ourselves. You know, um, when we forgive our neighbor of their debts, we're seeing them as, you know, our equals. We're not, we're not putting them below us. We're not thinking that we're better than them. 
um, we're, we're giving them respect and value. Uh, and in doing so, this allows us to glorify his name, to hallow his name, because we're seeing God for who he really is, as higher than us. It's allowing us to seek for his will to be done and for his kingdom to come. And you know, th this kind of principle of confession, opening up our eyes to be able to see God for who he really is, is, is demonstrated really well for me in uh, David's primary psalm of confession, which is Psalm chapter 51. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to them, because I think it'll be probably easier to be able to visualize this as well. We're going to be reading from verses 1 to 7. And this is a psalm that David wrote um, after he had committed adultery um, with um, Bathsheba. Um, for those who are familiar with this story, these are, these are David's words. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness, even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. You know, in, as I said, in, in David asking God to forgive his sins in this way, we can learn so much, I feel. So in verses 1, 4, and 6 of what I've just read, those, those words, according to your unfailing love, against you and you only have I sinned, um, yet you have desired faithfulness even in the womb. Those words, they, they, they appeal and demonstrate to our knowledge, demonstrate our knowledge of God's nature when we ask for forgiveness of sin. It shows that we're recognizing him as loving. We're saying that straight away, that oh, our God is loving. We're saying that we recognize him as righteous, that he is not just that he is a good God, and that we recognize him as judge, and that actually he reserves the right to be able to judge whether our behavior, whether we are right or wrong. And actually, particularly for us living our lives day to day, uh, particularly in the world outside, most of us want to live without a judge or without anybody else to be able to, to tell us what is right or wrong. But when we confess our sins, when we ask God to forgive our debts, we are saying that oh, actually there is somebody that reserves the right and should have the right to be able to tell what I have done is right or wrong. Um, we're saying that God has wisdom um, and that he um, he is faithful. So you can see just in, in confessing and coming before God, we're saying, actually, God, I know who you are. And that's why I come to you, uh, for you to forgive me of my sins. Um, and it's really difficult because uh, for, for sometimes we, we can do things wrong and, and see that there's no, almost that there's no way back. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure each of us can think of things that we've done, things that we've said that we instantly regret and we think that oh actually how, how are we going to be able to repair the damage that we've done from that whatever awful thing that we've done but you can see in those verses from David wash away uh, verses 2 and 7 wash away all my iniquity cleanse me with hyssop we're saying that oh actually God Jesus Christ I know that when you died for me on the cross 
and when you rose again, you achieved something that erases all sin, all of my sin. And there's nothing that I can have done or said um, that you, your, your blood doesn't wash away. So actually we're acknowledging the gospel when we are confessing our sins. We're acknowledging that actually, okay, Lord, I felt I've fallen short, but I know that through what you've done, um, I can still approach you as a father. Verses three and five. I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Surely I was sinful at birth. We're, we're recognizing that we, our natural inclination is to go against God and his will. And that we're in need of God, which is the most important thing. That we are understanding that we need God when we forget, when we ask for forgiveness of our sins and forgiveness of our debts. Um, and that, again, is not our natural inclination, not, all, not what we naturally want to do. We often want to live our lives, but we don't need anybody. Um, but we achieve that through asking God to forgive. And so I hope that you can see through these verses just how rich... Um, an experienced confession is in showing God, showing us who God is and who we are. And the, at the root of it all is humility. Uh, and there's a, you know, another really famous verse in, in the Old Testament, which is Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says this, I'm sure many of you heard it before. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And, and the, these are God's words to, to King Solomon after he has finished building the, the temple in Israel. And that the, the, the if is based on humility. And we can see that that humility in our prayers opens the door to prayers that God will hear. Prayers that don't just result, uh, restore an individual often we oh God forgive my sins but actually um, prayers that can restore an entire community is what's happening in Second Chronicles verse, seven, verse 14 um, now I mean I think understanding this verse in the right way is important I feel because it's not a blank check to say that you know, you know if, if, we, if we pray hard enough everything will, that we see around us will be undone um, because the principle is not, not, um, not our will be done but his will be done and sometimes the things that we see around us are actually God's righteous acts of, of judgment um, uh, and are actually need to happen really um, in, the, in the nations and, and communities that we see around us too. But the point is that um, we need to, the, the prayers that God hears are those where people humble themselves before God. Um, Confession of sin is the ultimate display of humility. And we, assuming that position of, putting that out, of lowering ourselves before God is so important. And as I touched on, within that verse or passage, we see that forgiveness and asking for forgiveness goes beyond individuals. It goes into communities and our neighbours and those around us. And um, when, I, when, I, when I spoke about give us this day, give us this day our daily bread, um, I spoke about three us's, so, so one being the individual, um, the other being the church, and the other being community. Um, and I think the same applies here in terms of who we're to ask for forgiveness of debts for, so ourselves, our church, and our community. Um, 
in this church, we are privileged to be able to call ourselves God's children. Um, but I think everybody sat in a chair here knows um, that this doesn't uh, make us immune uh, to sin. Um, and and you know, I'm not going to ask anybody to you know, shout out you know, what sins they've committed this week. Um, but I think we all know that we're guilty in one way or another. Um, and I think this is a good time for the little you know, pop quiz on one John. You know, uh, for those of us that have been with us you know, uh, over the last year or so, we've been able to really have and enjoy a time of studying 1 John in detail. Um, and just to cast your mind back to 1 John uh, ch- chapter 2, verse 1, there are some really important principles which I think apply here. So I'm just going to read that verse quickly. It just says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And this verse brings me so much encouragement because it makes me realize that actually, as Christians, the expectation is not that we're perfect on this side of heaven and that we will, unfortunately, continue to sin. Okay, um, But the encouragement comes from knowing that our advocate is Jesus Christ in heaven, just as Lynn was saying earlier. That's where our, our confidence and boldness comes from. Um, but I think that it's also important to have a, a balance there in understanding that confession is still valuable, even even with thinking about what Jesus Christ has done. And um, I mean, there are some Christians that believe that Jesus has, because Jesus has atoned for our death and for our sins, we don't need to confess because everything has been fully paid for. Now, whilst I believe that God restores us fully through what Jesus has done, it's. I still feel that confession of sin has a value, um, in re- and particularly from a relationship point of view. A little bit like I said earlier with the bop on the nose and the step on the toe. Um, just pure, when we're calling God our Father, um, that, 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 that confessing our sins allows us to restore that intimacy, and that, that, that the, the wrong things that we do create a gap between us and God. Um, confessing our sins allows us to restore that intimacy that we should have with our Father. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Um, This verse in 1 John, like the Lord's Prayer that we are studying, it's addressed to believers, it's addressed to Christians. And so through these verses, as well as examples like David in Psalm 51, we see that it's a biblical expectation for Christians to confess their sin. Not to atone for sins, not to get us into heaven, not to become God's children. Jesus has taken care of that. Uh, And then some. It's It's in order for us to have the type of relationship that we ought to have with our Father God and draw us nearer to understanding better who he is and who he wants us to be. And when we gain this perspective and understand this fully, we can begin to see actually how important it is for us to build an attitude of confession within the church and to be able to keep ourselves accountable. You know, we see examples in the early church and in the New Testament about how seriously sin was taken in the church um, uh, particularly in Corinthians, we see that people were even uh, you know, expelled from the church because of sin, because it was that important to keep God, Christ's bride, the church, pure. So I'm not saying, you know, let's, let's start you know, quizzing each other and seeing who we can kick out of Hope City Church. That's not what I'm saying. 
But what I am saying is that it's important for us to build relationships where we can be honest with each other and encourage each other to walk uh, the Christian life together. Um, and the third us is community. Just as we are called to pray for our daily bread for the community, we're also called to pray for God's forgiveness for those around us. Um, I think this is demonstrated really well in the Bible in a prayer by Daniel. Um, so if you turn with me to Daniel chapter 9, uh, verse 16. Um, and this is Daniel's prayer um, for the people of Israel while they're in exile in Babylon. And these are Daniel's words. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favour on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. And I think that this prayer to me gives a lot, so much encouragement because it highlights that we appeal to God to forgive our debts, not on uh, the basis of our own righteousness or on the right behavior of the world outside, but on the basis of his mercy and his goodness. And that's encouraging to me because I think if we look outside and we think about you know, the actions and things that we see in the world around us, it is very hard to have hope. But when we have our hope built on how good God is and how just God is and how merciful God is and how graceful he is, then we have a real true basis for hope and believing that our communities and the world that we see around us can be better than it is. I think the, the other thing that we see from Daniel's prayer is that we pray not just about the sins that we see uh, the world around us committing just now, um, but also those of our ancestors um, and those that have gone before us. So I'm really proud to be Nigerian. I'm very, very proud to be British as well. So I, I, I'm very privileged to have the best of both worlds in many ways. Um, and I think when we think about our heritage uh, and, uh, and we often think proudly um, when we look back um, and associate, our thing, uh, associate ourselves with the most positive things that we can think of, like uh, 1966 or, um, you know, uh, my, my, my dad, as I say, I'm, I'm Europe, Nigeria, so specifically a tribe, a Yoruba tribe, and my, my dad often tell me, you know, uh, stories of folklore and things like that, which I, I always associate myself with, and yeah, it makes you proud, doesn't it, really? But I think as, as easily as we are able to associate ourselves with the positive things, it's very important that we also see um, the impact of the mistakes and, for, and, and wrong steps that those before us have made also that actually make themselves manifest in the world that we see around us today. And I, th I think that I say it's really important that 
I hope no one misunderstands me in saying that it's not to say that we are accountable for the sins of those that goes before us. The Bible is very clear that we, each of us have individual responsibility for our sin and personal responsibility for our sin. So the wrong steps that um, generations before us made are things that they're going to have to answer to God for for themselves. But what it is to say, though, is that it's important for us to learn from the actions of those that have gone before us so that we don't make the same mistakes um, and equally bring those to God the Father and see those issues around us, just as Daniel has in this passage. Um, the ills that we see in a society around us don't ask us to, um, to seek forgiveness just because God wants us to stay on his good side. You know, God is our loving father. Um, the, 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 the rules in the very commas that you see within the Bible are not there just for the sake of it. They're there because they help to protect us. They're there out of love. And when, when we fail to forgive um, those around us, actually it leads us on a path of self-destruction. Um, verses 14 and 15 of Matthew chapter 6 that we've read today make it clear that the forgiveness of our sins are predicated on uh, by God, are predicated on us forgiving those around us. And, you know, it's so much easier to go to our bedroom uh, and sit down and say, God, please forgive me of my sin, than it is sometimes to go out and forgive somebody that has wronged us. Um, but you know, Jesus, being Jesus, doesn't leave room for this. Um, and so he tells a parable regarding this in, in Matthew chapter 18, uh, which I'll read from verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, at the start of this passage where Jesus says 77 times, um, he doesn't, just if I have to spell it out for him, he doesn't literally mean 77 times. Um, he means an infinite amount of times. Um, and we each as Christians have received an infinite amount of mercy from God, who is presented in this parable as the king. 
the, the 10 bags of gold that's spoken about in the story would have been the equivalent of 20 years wages. You know, no, no, nobody could have paid that. Um, but it was cancelled by God, cancelled by the king. And that's what he's done for us. And so let's feel pushed today to not make the same mistakes that this servant in the, in the parable today has made, makes and forget the mercy that we received. The mercy and, and love that we've received from God should leave us humble. It should leave us aware that we're no better than anybody else and to forgive their debts, loving them with the love of Christ. And it's that, that practical aspect of, of living out the gospel that is always the most tricky, tricky part. Um, and fortunately, the Bible tells us how, though, uh, and it's expanded further for us in, in Romans chapter 12. And, and the, these are Paul's words. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And you know what I love about the Bible is that it is honest, yeah. And you know, particularly when you look at um, the, the Psalms, you know, especially Psalms like Psalm 137. Um, the Bible gives us permission to be honest with God about how we feel when somebody has done wrong to us. Um, we're able to be honest with God when we feel angry or upset, when we feel sad and let down by somebody. But at the same time, this doesn't give us permission to pray for retribution either or to seek revenge. We're not here to you know, sit and smile you know, if... Uh, I don't know, someone, someone has annoyed us, their car's broken down or whatever else it might be. We're called to live to a higher standard. Um, our remit is to forgive and live in harmony with those around us. And you know, what, why this is so important is because actually when we, are for, when we forgive, we are trusting God as sovereign judge to be able to act justly in every situation um, we are giving something over to God and saying actually you know what God I'm not you and you know the right way to deal with this situation which again is not our natural our human nature but so important for us to be able to master and, and we can overcome the evil with good as Paul speaks about in Romans by committing the events of life into his hand rather than letting them eat us up and destroy us. Um, look at the life of, G, uh, of Joseph, sorry. He you know, lost, lost his fancy coat, thrown in a pit, sold to slavery. But at the end, he could still forgive his brothers. And at the end of it all say, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Don't be afraid, I'll provide for you and your children, he said to his brothers. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them.
These are the words verse, taken from Genesis chapter 15, 50, sorry, verses 19 to 21. And you know, Joseph, in many ways, is what we call a type or a model for Jesus Christ. And similarly, it's a model for us and how we should live our lives. Uh, that we are called to um, live our lives in forgiveness, accepting God's sovereignty over our lives uh, as well. Um, as I've touched on, forgiveness doesn't come naturally to anyone, anybody, no matter what you, <laughs> you say. And we, it's especially difficult because it's completely contrary to how we see people live their lives around us. And, you know, as Christians, we, we can't achieve, you know, forgiveness of our neighbours without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we need the Holy Spirit's charity. We need awareness of his grace to forgive when we find it most challenging. We need his wisdom to understand when it's the right time to forgive and forget. And actually when it's the right time to forgive but not to forget. Um, and by that I mean understanding when a relationship is actually harmful um, to you or to them and creating a distance that is actually healthy um, sometimes. Um, you know, wisdom, uh, wisdom is what we need from the Holy Spirit in managing these situations where, where, where we have difficulty with our neighbours. You know? When I say creating that distance, it might mean you know, your, your friend that you know, has a gambling problem not taking him with you to the Grand National. You know, you're, you're, you're forgiving him you know, for where he may have made a misstep in the past, but you're not going to put him in that situation again. I'm sure you can think of many more analogies. You know, each of us owes a debt to God that we can't repay. Thank God that through the work of Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven of our debts and through that have relationship with God, our Father. Um, if you don't know him, you can come to know him today because he is able to forgive your debts. If you do know Jesus, let's humble ourselves and confess our sins and draw closer to him through doing so, loving others in the way that he's loved us. Um, I'm just going to pray. Lord God, bless the words that have come out of my mouth. Um, I know um, that they are not of me, they are of your words and of your Holy Spirit. So Lord Jesus, I pray that if there is anything that has resonated with people today, that it won't leave their hearts or their minds as they leave this building today, um, but um, that you will continue um, to do a good work. For those of us that are struggling with unforgiveness, help us to be able to learn to forgive as you have forgiven us. Um, for those of us that don't know you fully or truly, Lord Jesus, open up our hearts that we will see how much we need you and, how, and that we will be forgiven and allow people to be able to be restored to full intimacy and relationship with you, God, our Father. Amen.